Hello world, I'm Rochelle Indra, a life coach here to teach you the shit they should have taught us in school but didn't. Our society has a vested interest in keeping you stuck and unhappy so that you will try to buy your way out of it. But that's where I come in. I'm here to teach you how to give them all the middle finger. Week by week, I'll share bite-sized strategies on tackling overwhelm, onboarding good habits, creating boundaries, and actionable steps to rewire your brain to actually work for you instead of against you. It is September, September, yay! Ah, The crowd goes wild for September. Kids are back in school. Our festivities and the fun of summer is over. Why are we excited about this? Because then we can get back into our groove, back into thinking about us and our life and what we want out of our career, out of our relationships, out of our deep soul searching. And that is why I open my books back up in September to take Take one-on-one clients and as you know I first opened it back up to clients that I've had before and then the sisterhood group coaching but after that I opened my doors to everyone who thinks that now is finally the time that they are ready to do their work September is not the new year's you still have time to do the work that you said you were going to do that you promised yourself 2023 was the time I was going to do this for myself there is still time. So come write me at hello at rochelleindra.com and let's get started on the journey together. Hello, hello, and welcome to another installment of the shit they should have taught us in school. But of course, of course, they didn't. I am your fearless leader, Rochelle Indra, and I've got a question for you today. Mm, we're starting with a question. I got a question. I got a question. Okay. Here's my question. Do you have now or have you ever had a hobby? If your answer is, oh my God, yes, Rochelle, I have a hobby. I have one hobby. I have two hobbies. I have 10 hobbies. I love my hobbies. They give me a life. I love doing them. I do them as much as I can. They're so amazing. They're so fulfilling. I love them so much. They're so wonderful. I share them with others. It brings my life joy, peace, and happiness. That is wonderful. This podcast is not for you. Turn this podcast off and go do your hobby and enjoy it. You should enjoy it. Now, if you're the person who, when I ask that question, says, uh, yeah, I used to have one, but I don't anymore, or no, I mean, into adulthood, I really haven't had any sort of hobbies, then this, my friend, is the podcast for you. Welcome. Let's dive in. So I first want to start with the people who had hobbies and don't anymore. And I want to know why you stopped your hobby. I have a feeling you didn't stop your hobby because you just stopped liking it. Maybe, maybe, in which case, why didn't you just find a different hobby? I have a feeling you stopped your hobby for another reason. You may not even realize it. You may be thinking, Oh, yeah, I used to blank, and I don't anymore, and I don't really know why. Do you have a garage full of hobbies that you used to have that you don't have anymore? I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm only pointing that out because I do, or I did until I finally cleared them out and realized those are not the people I am anymore. I'm not going to do that hobby anymore, and I let it go. But you may be saying, oh, I'm going to get back to it. And I hope you do. 
if it still brings you joy, if you still love it, I hope you get back to it. But what's the reason that you stopped? I assume it's something to the effect of my life got busy. I had kids. I have a family. My work got busy. My family needed me. Somebody got sick and then they got better and I just didn't pick it back up or they passed away and I just moved on with my life and didn't go back to some of the things I loved before the thing happened. And I get it. I hear it. But if you loved that hobby, if you really, really enjoyed doing that thing, isn't it time to go back? Isn't it time to find the time? And my clients love to tell me that they don't have time. for that. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. Don't fucking tell me you don't have time for something. Tell me I'm prioritizing something else. I always tell my clients that. Don't tell me you don't have time. Tell me you're prioritizing something else. For me and for you. Because I will do this to myself. Even like, oh, I need to do that thing. I want to do that thing. I want to see that person. I wanted to experience that thing. I wanted to go to that movie. I wanted to do blah, 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 blah. But I just didn't have time. I was like, mm, yeah, I do. As they say, I've got the same number of hours in my day as Beyonce. I don't have the staff that Beyonce has, but I have the same number of hours in the day. And it's not that I don't have time. It's that I didn't prioritize it. I prioritized watching Vanderpump Rules on Bravo. I prioritized scrolling through TikTok. I prioritized sleeping. I prioritized exercise. I prioritized my work, whatever it is. And that's okay. But if you really loved and enjoyed a hobby, why aren't you prioritizing it? Why are you coming last? Just something to think about. And if you have never had a hobby, Welcome, or at least never had a hobby into adulthood. Most of us have had hobbies as children. Our parents prioritized, hopefully, some of you, family prioritized hobby where you had a lot of alone time and you made up your own hobby. Um, it's so interesting how when we're children, because I have a lot of friends right now with small children because I'm in my 40s, and man, they prioritize children's hobbies fucking above everything else. My friends run around ragged, have absolutely no time for themselves because they are prioritizing hobbies for their children. And I'm thinking, when do you get to have a hobby? When do you get to have something that you love, something you enjoy? When is that going to come? Why are we prioritizing children having four, six hobbies? I mean, I have friends who's got kids are in every single sport. They're in every single dance thing. They're in every single kind of Taekwondo class. They're in pottery. They're in all sorts of activities and you're doing none. Why, why are we running ourselves ragged for our children? What if your kid was in one less sport, one less hobby, one less thing, and then you had time for yours or you did your thing while they were doing theirs. Or, you know, if art is a hobby you love, can we have art time? Every Tuesday is art time. The kids do art. We do art. Maybe it's uh, reading time. The kids read. You read. Like, can you combine a hobby into your children's time? Can you just say, hey, I don't give a fuck what you kids are doing right now. Mom or dad is doing my hobby. I love parents who do hobbies in front of children or let their children know that they have hobbies. That way that child grows up and starts thinking that having a hobby is normal and they will look for hobbies. 
Don't you want that for your children? Don't you want your children to stay with hobbies, to have things that they like doing, having things that they enjoy doing? I talk to clients all the time about prioritizing yourself so that kids see parents prioritizing themselves so that they grow up and they prioritize themselves. I mean, there's all these studies about reading. Yes, it is wonderful to read to your children. Absolutely. And a lot of parents are really good about it, are really good about reading to their children because they know how important it is. But the other thing that's really important, even more important in making a reader, because this is often what we do, right? We want our kids to be readers, so we read to them, so they'll become a reader. Cute, great, lovely, wonderful, great job. But all the evidence is that if you really want your kid to be a reader, you have to read in front of them. They have to see you reading. And so many parents I know, and I get it, think, oh my God, it's such a luxury to read. Oh, I need to be spending time with my kid instead of reading. But actually, reading in front of them will change their brain to thinking that this is a normal thing to do. This is an enjoyable thing. This is a good thing. Oh, maybe it's when your kid when you're reading, then you say, "Oh, you can read right now too." Your kids watching TV instead of sitting plopping down and watching TV with them. Can you be reading for yourself and to show it to them? Just an idea. Just an idea. I have never been somebody who had hobbies. Um, I am dyslexic. I have pretty severe dyslexia. So I grew up, school was incredibly hard for me. Incredibly, incredibly hard. I have a lot of pain, a lot of trauma around school. And I mean, I would get upset stomachs and throw up or get diarrhea before a test because I knew I was going to fail even though I studied like believe me that's all could be a whole other podcast in of itself so I grew up being very very used to being bad at things very used to being wrong and bad at things I just couldn't do things that other kids could do other kids would do things that seemed so easy and so simple for them and I just couldn't do it and so I was used to just not trying things because I knew I wouldn't be good at them. And so I didn't really have hobbies as an adult because I never really tried things because I just was like, well, why try things? Because I know I'm going to be bad at it and I'm just sick of doing things and sucking at it. So I just stopped trying. And then when I lived in Portland, I had moved there and I had no friends and so, so I moved there and I had no friends. Um, and I started going to a coffee shop and in the bathroom, somebody hung a sign for like a women's meetup group to knit. And I had a cursory knowledge of knitting. Like I, I could probably knit you a scarf or a blanket maybe, but I wasn't like good at it. I just kind of like knew from, I think, teaching myself on YouTube, which by the way, no matter what hobby you want to learn, YouTube is freaking great for that. I highly recommend it. So I kind of knew and I thought, well, I want to make friends, so maybe I'll just come. And so I got some yarn. I remember my husband bought me a giant ball of yarn at Walmart. It was like teal green. Bless his soul. It was hilarious. It was the most giant ball for like $5.99 and some knitting needles. And I showed up and these women just like, they were all older women. I was in my early 30s and they just sort of stared at me. I think maybe in my late 20s actually. And they were in their 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I was like, hi. They were like, uh, hello. And I was like, so I saw your ad in the bathroom that you were looking for people to knit with. And they were like, oh my God, yes. Which just seems so weird to be like, I saw your ad. Anyways, I did it. I went for it. I, By the way, I walked around the block like three times before I went in because I was so nervous. But I was like, I'm going to do this. I was lucky that my husband 
had planned on me doing this. So I couldn't come home and be like, I got too scared. So I was like, no, I got to go do this. So they were like, oh my God. Yeah. Nobody had answered the flyer. We're so glad to have you. I sat down with them. I was shitty. They were amazing. They had these gorgeous balls of yarn. They knew exactly what they're doing and they were so lovely to help me. And it really was so much less obviously about the knitting than the friendship. They also had a walking group. So I would go like Mondays was knitting. Fridays was the walking group. These women, at first I was like, oh my God, they're so much older than me. Oh my God, what am I doing? They probably think I'm stupid. I have nothing in common with these ladies. But I just stuck it out and I kept going because I needed friends (laughs) and I wanted something to do. And so sure, I could knit at the same time. And these women became my best friends, my support systems through all the challenges that I went through during my life living in Portland. And they were my rocks. They, oh my God, they made me fall in love with having friends that were older, the things they taught me. I taught them all that like, be like, they come up and be like, wait, we have all these questions about like what's hip and what's trendy, what's new. They had technology questions about their phones that I would help them out with. And then they taught me so much about life that I could never learn anywhere else than from women who had been through it. And I also learned the beauty of women in community, of women sharing in circle, circling as it's actually called now, women just coming together and sharing experiences, hearing each other and speaking their truth to each other and bonding. And it was so, so beautiful and magical. And I got that from that experience. And yes, did I learn to knit and become a better knitter? Absolutely. But did I get so much more from that experience? Yes, absolutely. And it's one of those things I look back in my life and go, oh my God, what if I had just kept walking around the block? What if I had just gone home and said, no, I don't want to do that. That's too scary. It's too hard to try to like make friends. I would have missed out on such a huge, huge part of my life that was absolutely transformational for me. The next time I tried a, uh, I tried a hobby was when I moved to Bend. I moved to the town I live in now. I didn't, again, didn't have any friends. Can you guys see a pattern of me not having friends? I swear to God, it's not a pattern of me not having friends. It's a pattern of me, uh, moving to new places where I don't know anybody and having to make friends, but I'm lovely and charming. And so I make friends easily. I hope there's some of you listening who are friends of mine and you're like, yes, no, Rochelle, we are friends. Yes, you have friends. You're okay. And I hope the other ones just trust that I have friends. So I went to, when I first moved here, I didn't know anybody. And so I joined two non-denominational churches in town. I was raised Buddhist uh, because I wanted a routine. I wanted a place to go where I could get to know people. Churches can be an easy way to do that. You can have your feelings on religion one way or the other. No big deal. doesn't matter. But I wanted a non-denominational church space to be at with other people. And um, there's a lot of older people there, but I was already like, yeah, give me some older people. I love it. So I basically wanted to be friends with them and they were really cool. And it was so funny because here I am like, I don't know, my mid thirties, I guess, um, maybe 35, 36. And these women are in their like sixties and seventies and they were cool and I wasn't. And I desperately, this is embarrassing. I can't believe I'm telling you guys this. But I wanted to be one of the cool kids, and I wanted to hang out with the cool kids. And they all played pickleball. And I was like, I'm not fucking playing pickleball. Like, I loved playing tennis, like, in camps growing up and things like that. But, like, I didn't know anything about pickleball. But they played together all the time, and they talked about it all the time. And they invited me, and I was like, I can't play sports. I'm horrible at sports, right? 
self-identification. This is who I am. Hi, my name's Rochelle Indra, and I'm terrible at sports. Because I always was. So I stopped trying. Because when I was younger, I was, and I got really confused at directions. I wasn't athletic. I'm heavy. I just was like, no, this is not for me. But I really wanted friends. And when they asked me, I thought, here's my chance to have friends, to be friends with these people who are so much cooler than me. So I started playing with them. And I didn't even care. I was like, whatever. I don't fucking care. Like, I don't care what the sport is. As long as I don't fall on my face or hurt myself, I'll just do it so that I can be cool. And so that I can have, (laughs) so I can have friends. And I fell truly, madly, deeply in love with pickleball. So deeply in love. It is, I'm not going to sit here and sell you on pickleball because maybe it's not for everybody, but I cannot begin to tell you how much joy it has brought into my life. And also like, you know, I, it's been so fun to do a sport because it's a way to get physical exercise and to be in community. And unlike tennis, tennis is really far apart from each other. Pickleball is really close. I sort of say it's like life-size Uh, ping pong. You're really close to each other. So it's very community oriented. I have never played and not fallen on the ground laughing. We have the best time playing. And I love it because I watch 30 year old super ripped men play with 70 year old women and the women kick their ass because it's a sport where it's about technique. It's not about strength. So you can do it at any age and be competitive. And I will tell you, it is so fucking phenomenal to watch these little old ladies beat the shit out of these like super ripped triathlete 30 something year old men. It is a privilege to behold. So anyways, I accidentally found that I loved it. And, and I was, no one was more blown away than I was that I loved a sport because I had self-identified as I don't play sports. I'm not good at sports. I don't like sports. I am not athletic at all. And then all of a sudden I was doing it and none of that was true. I'm actually a very good pickleball player. And it was really hard for my ego to transition from, I can't play sports. I'm not good at anything to, no, I'm actually, I actually play sports. I'm actually really good. And not not all sports. I haven't tried anything else. I might try tennis at some point though. As I get older, I think pickleball will be easier. Um, Oh, by the way, I just acted like I'm 112. I'm 41. I'm like, oh, as I get older. Like, no. People play tennis into their 70s, so I could do that too. See? Look at me. I'm like, I can do it. Like, once you try it, you're like, oh, what else could I do? What else could I be good at? And it's something that I've thought about. In fact, when I've looked at moving to Europe and moving to the Netherlands, I've looked at pickleball. Like, is pickleball big there? Is there that way that I can find community there. I could find friendship there. I could be physically active. I almost said sexually active. Whoa. Sorry. What a slip up. I am not using pickleball to be sexually active. Whoo. Let's get that clear right now to be physically active in a new place and to find community there. So that's my story of finding hobbies that I loved. They were very accidental, but I I really started this and wanted to do this podcast because people ask me all the time, becoming a life coach, what's the thing that you're most surprised by? And I feel like when I went to coaching school, they prepared me fairly well for a lot of what you come across as a life coach. But the amount of people who want and don't have a hobby, the amount of adults 
who want and don't have a hobby. Shocked the shit out of me. And for a long time, I was that person too. And I would like to have more hobbies than I do now. But I was surprised how many people wanted to have a hobby. And I thought, why is this? Why, why is this something that's coming up for me? It was like almost every client I had in the beginning was like, I wish I had a hobby. I wish I had a hobby. I wish I had a hobby. Why do we wish we had a hobby? And I've thought a lot about this. And I think it's because it's something we do for just ourselves. It's something we do just for ourselves. Because before this, the only thing I really did just for myself was masturbate. That really wasn't for anybody else. That was not going on OnlyFans. That was not, I wasn't doing it in front of anybody else. That was my thing I did for me. Sorry, dad, if you're listening. Terribly, terribly sorry for that interlude there. But we don't do enough for us. We know we don't do enough for us. And a hobby is something that we do just for ourselves Maybe we do it in community. Maybe we do it alone. Maybe it satisfies our need to have alone time. So doing a hobby that we do alone satisfies that enjoyment of doing something and that need to be alone and to have a break from, you know, family and friends and that sort of thing. But maybe it also satisfies our need to be in community, to be with and around other people. Like I said, like pickleball, right? Or knitting for me. Some people love knitting because you do it by yourself. I loved knitting in groups. And even, you know, I had that knitting group, but then when I would travel around, I would go to other knitting groups and other cities. Like I would look up knitting stores and then find when they had times where groups sat together and talked. And I would go to them when I traveled, which was super fun. And I know a lot of people travel and play pickleball where they travel. And those are just my examples, obviously. But there's a lot of hobbies that you can do and meet new people when you're traveling or if you move like me, that was a big one. So it's also something that can be done in community and satisfy that need as well. So I ask you why you are not finding a hobby. Is it because you feel like you don't have time and that is something to look at? Again, what else are you prioritizing over that? And can you make time to prioritize that? Or is it because you don't do things you are not immediately good at or you don't know how to do? Is it embarrassment? Is it self-consciousness? And I will say that was definitely me in the beginning of learning to play pickleball. And I now am just championing other people because I know what it's like to be new, right? Everybody knows what it's like to be new at something. And it's one of the reasons I loved pickleball. And again, this is not an advertisement for pickleball. I promise you that. But what I happen to like about pickleball is that it's a rather new sport. And people are, it's the fastest growing sport in America. And so people are picking it up all the time. So a lot of people are new and there's a lot of like new classes for it. So I at least joined some classes where I could play and be new and with other new people and even people who played a while were really generous and lovely because they remembered what it was like to be new. I am very generous when I play with other people or I see other people playing and learning that it's okay. It's okay to be new. It's okay to suck at it. It's okay to be embarrassed. Man, we hate those things when we're adults, don't we? We hate being vulnerable. Children are vulnerable all the time, so they don't mind trying all the hobbies, doing all the things, because 
They are so open to those things. They don't have all that baggage, all that damage, all that trauma. They're not worried what society thinks of them yet. God bless their souls. We are. We're so worried about what other people think. We don't want to do things we're not good at. So we want to have that hobby, but we want to already be really, really good at that hobby. You know? We already want to be really, really good at the hobby. Can you let go of that in order to try? And can you try a bunch of different hobbies? You don't need to find one thing and stick with it. If you don't like it, there's a million other hobbies out there. And there's a million ways to find hobbies and to find groups of people doing those hobbies. As I said, I mean, there's a pickleball place, a couple actually here in the town that I live in. So there's a lot of sports is something you're interested in. There's a lot of ways to take classes or round robins or join people doing a sport. Meetup groups are another great way to do a hobby with other people who also want to do a hobby and want to do it together. How wonderful is that? Crafts, you can go to like Michael's or hobby shops and they'll often have classes on getting started on some of these craft projects if you want some help with it. As I brought up, YouTube is a great place to go for things. But if you want to be in a class and learn from somebody else, that's wonderful. Uh, Like I brought up knitting groups, right? So you find a knitting store, they usually always will have a knitting meetup group. Um, REI, if you want outdoor sports and things, if you go to an REI or your local version of such, of said thing, they should have a pinup board, pinup board, post-up board. You know what I'm trying to say. They'll have a board where people have posted groups. REI does their own groups, uh, camping and kayaking and all sorts of things. If you live in an area where that is available, but there may be something similar to it. So asking at a shop that caters to that hobby, asking them if they know of any groups, any meetups, anybody doing that, running stores, right? Shoe stores that sell running, uh, I was going to say paraphernalia, that's not the word, equipment, often know of running groups or they have running groups that meet up at that store and then go running from there. I did a walking group when I moved one time, I think when I moved to LA, I was getting walking shoes at the store and noticed that they had a board that had a walking group. So I just joined that. It's not easy. Not easy for everyone. Some people, it's really easy to join those sorts of things. It's not for all of us. But if we want it bad enough, and if we want to make friends, and if we want to do it in community, we've got to go out there and try it. Just some food for thought. And every time I bring this up, people ask me for examples of hobbies. What are examples of some hobbies? So off the top of my head, I just wrote down some examples of hobbies that might spark an interest for you, might make you start thinking about it. And I also challenge you to ask your partner if they have a hobby they've ever wanted to try, and maybe you guys could do it together. Ask friends, do they have hobbies? Can I join them in a hobby? Do they have hobbies they've always wanted to try? Can we try it together? Family members, as I said, are there hobbies that you can do with kids right? So that you're doing things together if that makes it easier for you time-wise. But I wanted to give a couple examples. So here we go. It is an extensive list. It is not a comprehensive list. There are so many more amazing hobbies out there. There are amazing hobbies out there I guarantee you I've never even heard of. But you go out there and you try it. So here you go. Art, reading, outdoor activities, knitting, crocheting, needlepoint, a sport, puzzles, sudoku, animals, beekeeping, singing, photography, dance, cooking, baking, 
video games, gardening, writing, hiking, bird watching, chess, pottery, travel, fishing, woodworking, learning a new language, playing an instrument. Those are just the ones that I thought of. And as I said, there are many, many more on top of that. So I challenge you to go out there, make this the year that you go out there and you try, you finally try a hobby. And even if you are like, oh, I've tried hobbies. Yeah, I don't know. I had one for a while and you've lost it. Can you get back to it? Can you still see if you love it? And if you don't love it, find one you do. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. And if you've liked this podcast, please go and give it a five star wherever it is that you get your podcast. And if you hated this episode and you thought this episode was absolute trash or you already have a hobby and so this was an incredibly boring one and you wish you hadn't listened to it but now you had and you want to go give this a one star or a zero star but they don't even allow you to give zero stars, go wash your hair instead. Go do your hobby. Go do your hobby. Don't give me a review unless it's going to be five star. Go do your hobby instead. <laughs> Love you guys. Thanks. Bye. I know what you're thinking. It's the same thing that all of my clients ask. I want to make boundaries, but I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to the people I love in my life who I don't want to lose. And I don't know what to say when I need to make boundaries with the people I hate in my life, but I just simply can't get rid of, like my boss or my in-laws. I get it. There are no books I could find out there that really walk you through exactly what to say. And that is the first question all my clients have is, what do I say? So I made my own book. I made an ebook, really simple and easy for you guys. The first half is talking about why you need boundaries, who you need boundaries with, and what truly boundaries are. And the second half is a workbook so that you can actually really work through what is it that I need to say in order to establish my boundaries, but also what do I say when somebody challenges my boundaries? It is only $9.99. I made it really low cost to help you guys out because I think this is something that everybody deserves to know. So go into the link in my bio, in my Instagram, in my TikTok, at the bottom of this podcast and get the information because I think it's really, really going to help you.